Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. This this distinction between wisdom and knowledge, I do think knowledge is a bit more under our control, right? I mean, if we're just about acquiring knowledge, we can read a book, we can listen to a podcast, we can do various different things that will enable us to grow in knowledge. That doesn't guarantee wisdom. This week, we're talking about the discipline of wisdom. And I have to tell you that this one has been tripping me up a little bit to talk, to think about wisdom as a practice. And I, I, because I was, it was tripping me up, I wanted to be really careful about the conversation I had and, and who I talked to. And um, I have a friend that I've invited today, and he is very knowledgeable. You will hear it when he talks. He, he has a lot of knowledge, but the way that he dispenses that knowledge. The way that he asks questions, I, I see a lot of wisdom along with his knowledge. And I thought, Joel feels like the kind of person that I could trust with this conversation. Joel Lawrence is the executive director of the Center for Pastor Theologians. He's a Bible professor. He's a former senior pastor. He's a Dietrich Bonhoeffer scholar, which he might not say, but I'm going to say that he's a scholar of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You'll hear him quote him often, maybe not today, but if you hear any of his sermons, I'm sure there'll be a Bonhoeffer quote somewhere in there. Welcome, Joel. Thanks, Angie. Really great to be with you. And thanks for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to someone because you were the teaching pastor at the church. We went went to church together and I was just talking to somebody recently and they were saying, I really miss Joel's teaching. So that's (laughs) And Bonhoeffer references, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The first question I'm asking all of my guests is what is your experience or not with Lent? Yeah. So I, I grew up in a like a, a low church, uh, Bible church background down mm-hmm. in, in uh, California and in Texas. Um, I knew of Lent, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, a significant part of, of the tradition. You know, we kind of went from Christmas into Easter, Easter. <laughs> and, and, and Lent was there, but not, not really celebrated. I don't remember that we had, we didn't have tenebrae services. We didn't have, um, I don't even know if we had Good Friday services. We, uh, my recollection is the kind of high points of the year were, were Christmas and and Easter. Um, so it was actually when we lived in England. So we lived in England for four years. And over there, we were part of a tradition that was much more attentive to the, the church calendar. Mm-hmm. And so it was there that I really experienced thinking about what Lent is for the first time, kind of understanding what it is in the in the rhythm of the church's life, why we spend this time reflecting on the Lenten season and what that then does for for me, what that what that did for my understanding and my my deeper appreciation of the cross of Christ and of the the, the part of the story that can tend to be downplayed in certain segments of, of Christianity on the cross and the suffering of Jesus. Um, and then in my experiences since then, I've always been in churches that have had some form of, of marking of Lent and, and appreciation of understanding the, the purpose of that in forming us as followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Cause it's easy to want to jump from even Palm Sunday to Easter, yeah. but to go into the Valley of Christ yeah, suffering with absolutely. him makes that mountaintop of the resurrection. It really does. All that more powerful. Yeah, it really does. So as I said in the introduction, this has been tripping me up a little bit to, to think about wisdom as a spiritual practice. And so I thought you seem to have a lot of it. So 
<laughs> well, <laughs> what are your thoughts about it? <laughs> that's kind. Um, it, it is a it is a tricky one because you know you think about spiritual practices. It kind of feels like here's the thing that we do, and it's fairly oftentimes it's fairly straightforward, right? It's spiritual practice of prayer, spiritual practice of silence. We can kind of get our minds around that. What is a spiritual practice of wisdom? That that doesn't feel like it's quite in the same like a practice category, yeah. right? And I think that the way I would start that is to say. I think the first thing to acknowledge is that we are told to ask for wisdom. We see that in the Proverbs. We see that in Ecclesiastes. We see that in James. James chapter 1 talks about if you're lacking in wisdom, ask God for wisdom. So I think it's a, part of the practice is the stance of recognizing that we can't do X, Y, or Z thing, and that is going to guarantee the outcome of wisdom, that mm. the, the the practice is the asking for it, right? And we see that modeled like in Solomon when he could ask for anything that that he wanted and he asked for wisdom and God really blessed that request. And so I, I think as, as I think of it as a practice, it's less what is the practice that I do that has the outcome then of wisdom Mm -hmm. and more, what is my posture, my stance, my recognition of to grow in wisdom is something that isn't in my control. It's, it's something I have to receive from God. And the practice is just asking, right? Do we make it a, a pattern of our life to ask God for wisdom and not just in key moments. Like I need, I need wisdom in this moment to make X decision Mm -hmm. or whatever. But as, as part of the discipline of our lives, are we asking God to give us that, which only he can give. You were mentioning Solomon asking God for wisdom. And that makes me think of in the study guide, the very first verse that we look at after our first day is second Chronicles one, seven through 12. And in verse 10, it says, Solomon's saying, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And so I, I, sometimes I like to nerd out and I like to look at Hebrew words. Love it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so I looked at the Hebrew words for wisdom and knowledge and that Hebrew word for wisdom talked about skill, skill Mm -hmm. in war, wisdom and administration, shrewdness, prudence. And the word for knowledge had more like thought and yeah. mind. And so yeah. it felt that was kind of helping me along the way in that knowledge is something that you acquire by mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. And the wisdom almost felt like, as you were saying, it's something that we're asking God for. And yeah. then especially like with skill, it's something that's walked out. Yeah. There seems like to be a little bit more of an action with it. Yeah. I, I think it's at the end of that verse, I think that's interesting. Who is able to govern this great people of yours, right? Mm-hmm. Solomon is finding himself in a position where he doesn't have the capacity right. to do what he's being called to that's do. That's so relatable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like much of life, we find mm-hmm. ourselves in these kinds of, of situations. And I, I think this, this distinction between wisdom and knowledge, I do think knowledge is a bit more under our control, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if we're just about acquiring knowledge, we can read a book, we can listen to a podcast, mm-hmm. we can do various different things that will enable us to grow in knowledge. That doesn't guarantee wisdom. Um, We mentioned before we started recording, there are a lot of really smart, knowledgeable people who are very foolish. And so I think what what is being pointed to here is this this stance of of humility, of recognizing I can have a ton of knowledge, but wisdom is the ability to see 
the world in its complexities, not based purely on my knowledge of it, but in that recognition that God views the world and God understands the world in ways that that I can't, no matter how much knowledge I have, because I don't have the position of of sitting in God's seat. I just that's not my natural position. So I have to ask God to give me that wisdom and, and to give me that understanding in order to navigate the world. And, you know, in Solomon's case, to govern this great people of his and in our case, you know, kind of average daily things, big decisions that we have to make. Those are the kinds of things where it's not just about if I acquire more knowledge, then I'll be able to do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. But I need a perspective that I can't have on my own. It almost feels like a higher sense of knowing. Yeah. Like I could know facts about you, right. but Mindy is your wife, yep. which you know, but I just want the listeners yes. to know. <laughs> but Mindy has knowledge of you and a knowing yeah. of you yeah. that others don't know because she's your wife. And so it feels like that that feels applicable here, yeah. that there's knowledge we have, but there's a higher knowing and yeah. understanding that we can get when we ask God for that it. That isn't fact-based, right? right? Yeah. Because marriage isn't, isn't fact-based. No. There are facts involved, mm-hmm. but our relationships are not just fact-based relationships. There's intuitions right. that come. There's insights. There's we've lived over time, and I can kind of anticipate how she's going to react to this or how he's going to react to that. There's just that kind of, it's not, it's like almost a behind our minds knowledge, some of those mm-hmm. intuition kind of things. And, and I think this is why, um, for me, Ecclesiastes is such an important book in this conversation about wisdom. Um, when I was a senior pastor, I preached through Ecclesiastes and it was probably the most fun I've had preaching. Just there's so much to what's going on here. And there's so many things that like, they feel like they run counter to so much of our, our Christian spirituality. Someone just saying, vanity, vanity, everything is vanity, everything under the sun is meaningless, mm-hmm. right? All this kind of stuff. I think it's important to recognize what the what the teacher is talking about here. And, and this perspective that the teacher takes of, if you just look at the world as it presents itself, these are the conclusions that we will come to. We will come to the conclusion that, pursuing X, Y, or Z is meaningless, that this is all vanity. If we live in the world as it's given to us, which is where knowledge can operate, mm-hmm. right? knowledge, I can get knowledge of the world and say, I'm going to live in this particular way based on my knowledge. But then even that, if it's pursuing a, a career and then that falls apart, or if it's pursuing finances, and then that falls apart, right? We can say, no, these things should lead to such and such a conclusion. Mm -hmm. But in fact, oftentimes they don't. Oftentimes they lead to opposite things of what we intend. I think what the teacher is saying is when we live in the world, not as it's given to us, not the world under the sun, but the world as, as we gain insight into it from sitting in God's seat Mm -hmm. from seeing it from God's perspective, then we'll navigate it much differently. We will see that pursuing the world on its own terms is meaningless. That will not lead to 
the kind of things that we think it's going to lead to. It's not mm-hmm. going to deliver what we think it's going to deliver. Which we hear a lot. You know, when we yeah. we, we see celebrities who, you yeah. know, a, a, attain a certain level of success yeah. or monetary success and acclaim and yep. fame. And many will say when they get there. It's vanity. Yeah. It's meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's empty. It didn't mm-hmm. deliver what I thought right. it was going to exactly. deliver. The paths that were put before me by the world as it presents itself to me mm-hmm. did not lead me to what I thought they're going to lead me to. And I think biblically what this is saying to us is the to find that true meaning, to, to find that true purpose. It's not about knowing the world just as it is. It's about seeing it from a perspective that it doesn't have of itself, which is God's perspective. So when I was in college, I had a pastor. He did a series that really marked me. It was on having an eternal perspective. So he was Taking college students, our lives are before us, our careers are before us, right? We're young and energetic Mm -hmm. and the world is ours and invincible (laughs) and all that stuff. And he's telling us, um, there's a lot of stuff you can go after, but if you don't live your life from eternity Mm. with that fully kind of locked into your brains, this is what ultimately matters, then you're going to go down all kinds of false paths. And I I think that that really impacted me and my kind of my understanding of, of... of how to live life is to do what Ecclesiastes is asking us to do, which is get out of the world as it is given to you, mm-hmm. see it from a different perspective, and then orient your life towards that. And the only way you can do that is if you ask God to enlighten you, to, to give you eyes to see, to give you ears to hear, to give you an understanding of the world that isn't based purely on the knowledge of the world, but, but is a a wisdom that can come only from God. As you were talking, I was thinking about, so I work in radio now, Mm -hmm. but this isn't what I I went to college for communications, but not for broadcast. And, and the, the path that led me here, if you were, you know, thinking about what your pastor said to you when you were in college, just really spoke to me. Um, because the path that started me coming here was I was going to open a retreat house mm-hmm. yep, and, and that was my goal. And that was the vision was to open a retreat house. And so I thought, well, I'll start a podcast to then have an audience that if I want to then use the retreat house or help, you know, fund the retreat house, then I'll have this audience. And, and that led me to hear. And so you could look at that and say, I failed. Right. I did not open a retreat house, but my, my vision was not what I was following. Yep. The Lord is who I was following and he was my vision. And so I, I went this way, you know, I went one way and he said, Nope. And like got me in a windy trail yeah. to get me here, which is a little bit different than what you're saying, because I couldn't even have imagined this ending place for yeah, me, no, I, I, but I, following the Lord, yeah. not this knowledge and vision. I think it is what I'm saying. And it goes to Proverbs, right? Of, of we make the plans, but God directs our steps. Mm-hmm. That is that it's that very idea of you do, we are living in the world, right? We are, we are operating in the world, but a recognition that our life is not our own, that the path that we might be setting out on, we do that in light of eternity, not necessarily knowing that this is the exact path, but being open to what, what God's 
wisdom has for us, what mm-hmm. God's plans and purposes have for us. And so your, your, I remember when you were starting out to do the, do the retreat center. And I think that's something God put in your heart. It wasn't the actual goal goal that he had for you, but that opened you up to following him in mm-hmm. new ways and turning yourself over to him in new ways. And I think that is what really at the heart of this conversation of wisdom is that recognition that we don't belong to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Surrender. We, Let's just say yeah. the word that we've been dancing That's around. The word. It's such it a hard surrender. word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we can even get more pointed with it in crucifixion <laughs> yeah. right? oh, of, of being put daily. to death, dying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That recognition that I am not my own. I do not belong to myself. That that is where I think wisdom can really begin to operate because we've now released our view of the world, our plans for our lives, our plans for the world. We've turned ourselves over to God. And that is so much what you see in the wisdom literature is the, the wise person is the one who has a recognition of their place in the world, who they are in relation to God, and can then live in a different way where they've given up so many of the pursuits of the world because they've come to recognize that that those are human plans. Mm-hmm. That's not me giving myself over to, to what God has for me. And then when we give ourselves over to what God has for us, all kinds of interesting things happen, all kinds mm-hmm. of surprising things happen, which can be super, super frightening at one level, but also bring you to you and me sitting here having right. this conversation today. You know? Well, and it's also making me think a little bit about your story too, because you were on a very academic yeah. track Yeah. and God interrupted. I mean, I talked when I introduced you that you yeah. did time, did time that you <laughs> yeah. served. One way to put it. <laughs> yeah, served as a senior pastor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that felt like you were on a real academic track and then yeah. like insert being a pastor. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. Surprisingly. And, and even, and now what I'm doing, I can look back and see how both the academic path that I was on and then the, the church service, uh, doing time at the church yeah. that I was on <laughs> have kind of come together in a way I, I couldn't have designed for what I'm currently doing mm-hmm. now. And so I, I think that's the adventure of this. That's why this is the adventure of wisdom, which is when we do recognize we are not in charge of our own lives. We relinquish things to God and then the things that he has for us to do that he has called us and created us to do. And I think we can find those things in ways that become very, very surprising and mm-hmm. not what we would have designed for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I appreciate what you said too, about the position you're in now that the academic and the pastor, pastor yeah. time fed into that because that's been my experience too. Like I had these, what felt like totally separate experiences of work that have all come together in this job in a way that I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And it's easy to be on this side of it and look back right. and say, right. oh, I can see it now when you're in the midst of, I don't even know what's going on. Yep. That I think those are the really the hard times to, to be obedient. And it's actually, you know, I think it's just funny. Like, I just feel like I'm calling myself wise. Um, <laughs> but in the, in the midst of being obedient, it can feel crazy. Yeah. And how, you know, I, I think there's a verse about it that, that we will look like fools. Yeah. We will look yeah. like fools. Yeah. And, and I think this gets us back to the very first question of the practice of wisdom or spiritual discipline of wisdom is asking because in those moments, when our knowledge runs out, 
like and, and our ability to to plan and make sense of what's going on in our lives. Or I think this is what I want to do. And yet maybe I'm starting to hit some barriers to that. It's in those moments. I think that that is when we, the discipline of crying out to God, of Mm -hmm. asking God for wisdom comes. And it's then that we start to relinquish our hold on our plans because we say, I, I don't have the wisdom to put my life together. I don't have the wisdom to be God of mm-hmm. my own life. So I want to call out to God and ask him to give me the insight, the wisdom that I need moving forward. Well, and I think that's a, that applies to the plans that we have. Yeah. But also, you know, as I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about part of my journey was that I felt like I got to a place where there was a wall and the wall was my understanding of who God was and it crumbled. Mm. And I knew and I was sitting in the rubble and I knew that I needed, I couldn't rebuild the wall the way that it was, but I needed God to be a part of that process. And what, what I was bumping up against is my experience of God and what I, and who I thought God was weren't, weren't matching. And so there was a wrestling of, is my experience going to win right? or is what God has said about himself going to win? And I, I think that's another part of the process of there are also, there are plans, but I think this, act of asking God for wisdom and surrender also affects our view of God and how we relate to him and and who we believe he is. And ultimately it is about trust, right? Mm -hmm. The call of the call for wisdom is a call for trust. God, you understand me in ways that I don't understand me. You understand the world in ways that I can't see because from everything Mm -hmm. I can see, I should be doing this. And yet every time I think I pursue that, I'm, I'm, bumping into something. It's not, it's not bearing fruit. So recognizing and the humility of saying, I am not God. I can't think myself through this. I can't Mm -hmm. figure this out. Something is going to have to give, like you were saying, right? My experience is going to have to give and the truth of who God is, I'm going to need to cling to that more and more and more. And as we do that, I think then God demonstrates, and this is one of the promises we see throughout scripture is that God will prove himself trustworthy. Mm -hmm. We test him and he will prove himself to be trustworthy. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we talk about in reference to wisdom? Yeah, I just was thinking about the, at the end of Ecclesiastes, uh, and I would encourage folks you know, as they're thinking about wisdom, read read through Ecclesiastes. It's in, in Lent is a is a good time to be reading through Ecclesiastes. But at the end of it, he says, "Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter: Fear God and keep His commandments." Mm-hmm. Right? So he kind of he brings it down to this is at the base of it: Fear God, which I I interpret as trust God, mm-hmm. right? acknowledge that God is God. Put yourself in that position where you're not trying to elevate yourself but you are trusting in God and then keep his commandments. Recognize that his commandments are for our good, that they are God's guidance for us navigating a world of appearances and a world where we can get caught up in our own knowledge and our own ability to navigate the world. Step out of that in this trust of God, keep his commandments for this is the duty of all humanity. And I think at, at the end of Ecclesiastes, what really we're being told is if you trust God and you keep his commandments, that's a wise life. And that's the life that we're called to pursue. 
They, I knew you were the person to ask to talk about this, Joel. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Grateful to do it. Thanks, Angie. Appreciate it. Fun to talk. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about the spiritual practice of wisdom. I hope, like me, you were able to understand a little bit more about what it means to have wisdom as a spiritual practice. If you'd like to get your hands on that study guide we were talking about, you can head over to myfaithradio.com and look for the Reading the Bible Together resource page, and it's part of the Lent study. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes, and we'll see you next time when we talk about the spiritual discipline of obedience. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted by Angela Smith, and produced by Aaron Trost. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more at myfaithradio.com.